Uh, We're carrying on this series we're doing in the book of Ephesians. We love the Bible, we love the book of Ephesians, and we're doing this series called Life Through God's Eyes. And it's about seeing yourself, seeing your life, seeing other people, seeing the world as God would see it. And that's one of the privileges of reading the book of Ephesians. We actually begin to get insight into how God sees us and how God sees the world. And it's an amazing, amazing book to read. And I've encouraged you each time I've stood up here to read the book of Ephesians through from beginning to end and to do it again and again and again. I just want to invite you to do that again. Uh, I, I was thinking of this the other day. That if you ever, Anybody here like playing with fire? We all do, right? Um, Andy Wall, yeah. Um, and uh, when you put softwood on a fire, it just goes, and it just burns like that, doesn't it? And it's exciting. When you put a big, heavy, hardwood log, oak or something, what happens? It kind of takes hours and hours to burn. It just keeps out giving heat for ages and ages. Uh, Ephesians is like that. The more you read it, the more you'll get out. It's fuel for the Christian soul. It's really, really wonderful. So keep reading it. Keep getting to grips with these incredible truths we're teaching from it. And it will be good for you. So today we're looking at this theme, this word that we see in Ephesians 1, and it's this word, grace. Somebody asked me yesterday, they said, Dan, has your preaching props budget increased recently? (laughs) Uh, It it, it hasn't, to be honest, but um, I I would be interested if you work for the RAC, if you want to do a deal afterwards, I could could kind of maybe offer you those for half price or something. Most of us here, we're visual learners as well as audible learners, aren't we? Uh, my son in the car to church this morning, he's seven years old. He, I mean, we've never had a long chat about how to drive or anything like that, but he just sort of, he was just sitting quietly in the back and he said, uh, Dad, I understand how to drive. He says, tell, us, tell me more about the stick on the left hand. What are you doing there? But it, clearly he just grasped, he'd, he'd learned everything he needed to about driving, steering, pedals, all of that, but the bit he just needed filling in because he's a visual learner. We all are. I want to talk to you about grace today. And grace is something that's best felt and understood and seen. So I want to demonstrate it through story as well as through teaching. So we're going to read from Ephesians 1, verses 3 to 10. It says, Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace, expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus, for it is by grace you have been saved, through faith. And this is not from yourselves, it's the gift of God, not by work so that no one can boast, for we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. Today I want to talk to you about what is the biggest word and the most important idea in the whole Bible and in the whole of the Christian life. And it's this word here. It's five letters and it's a simple word and it's grace. And it simply means this. It means undeserved favor from God. Something that we didn't earn, 
that we get, something generous that's poured out and given to us. And this is quite an incredible statement to make to say this is the most important word because already in Ephesians so far, when we've taught through this, we've looked at some incredible statements. We've looked at the fact that God calls Christians saints, that we're holy people because of Jesus. That's an amazing statement. We looked at this phrase that if you're a Christian, you're in Christ. If you're on the outside, now you're included on the inside track with God. That's an amazing statement to make. We looked at this word redeemed, which means that once you were a slave to sin, but Jesus has liberated you. He set you free from the power of sin so that you could follow him. That's an amazing thing to say about human beings. We looked at uh, this thing last week, Luke talked about it, about those of us who are spiritually dead. All of us were spiritually dead. Now we've been made alive with Christ. Each of these things is truly staggering. But I'll tell you what's more staggering. So this verse we read today in verse 6 of chapter 2. Sorry, in chapter 1, verse 6, which says this, that all these things are to the praise of his glorious grace. To the praise of his glorious grace. What are you saying? All of these other things which are amazing just lead Paul, the apostle, to a place of worship where he says, and all of that just makes me wonder about this more incredible thing called the grace of God. And today I want to lead you in wonder at the grace of God. And we read this verse today, for it is by grace that you have been saved. It's by grace that you've been saved, and this not, and this not from yourselves, it's the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. When I was 15 years old, I received an invitation. My uh, dad, who he did well in business, he, uh, a friend of his, a colleague of his, says, said to him, hey, Philip, he said, what? I've got some free tickets for a garden party at Buckingham Palace. Would you like to take your kids along to it? And my dad was like, well, that sounds great. And so we went off one summer afternoon to Buckingham Palace. I'd been to Buckingham Palace before. I'd peered through the gates like everybody else does, trying to wave at the guards and pull faces at them and all that stuff. But this time was different as I held my ticket in my hand. And the the, the hordes, the, 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 the sea of Chinese tourists just parted as I held my ticket in the air. And the gate opened And somebody took my ticket and they looked at it and they looked at me and they looked at their list and they nodded and they ticked and they said, yes, sir, come with us. They called me sir. I'd never been called sir in my life before. I was 15 years old. And they led us into the middle of Buckingham Palace and we walked through the staterooms. And I looked around and thought, this is incredible. What a place. I I looked around, it was a little bit jaded in parts. I thought these electrics need a few million spent on them. But, you know, we, we walked through. And we found ourselves in the garden, and, and the, the royal garden, it's a, it's a park, it's not a garden, it's the, it goes on, it's like acres and acres of ground, there's a, there's a lake on one side, and, and we, we sort of wandered around, and you'd kind of walk up paths into sort of areas which were clearly forbidden, because plainclothes policemen would pop out and say, ha sir, would like to rejoin the party, I think. <laughs> and, uh, and we found ourselves there, and, and we, we ate the finest food. There was cucumber sandwiches, believe it or not. There was royal ice cream, which was just amazing. 
And here's the truth. I, I just got a free ticket. There was a moment of mild terror that came to me because this party was held in honour of the Duke of Edinburgh award scheme. And many, many people there had achieved greatness through achieving gold and then being a select few who'd been invited to come and meet Prince, Fel- Prince Philip in, 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 the, in the palace. And so there came a moment where they lined everybody up to meet the prince. And it suddenly occurred to me that he might ask me what I was doing there. Because <laughs> he was going down the line, he was shaking hands, and I could hear him moving down the line, he'd shake hands and he'd say, yes, yes, lovely to have you here, what, and what did you do? And people would say, I did this, and I, I achieved gold in this thing. And, and I saw him moving towards me, and I thought, what am I going to do? <laughs> if he shakes my hand and says, and what did you do, young man? <laughs> Two thoughts occurred to me. One was to lie. <laughs> and so, yes, I got the... Uh, I got the gold in creative storytelling. <laughs> and the other was this. It, it was to just hold up my ticket and say, you know what, I got a freebie. I got here for free. I didn't do anything. I didn't deserve it. But somebody else got me a ticket to be here. And that's my story. Now, it seems to me in the Christian life and in human experience... We live our lives under one of these two masters. And even in that story I just told you, there was that moment I received something free. But when confronted about whether it was really free and whether it was really grace that I was there by, here was my inclination to to try and explain myself. Because that's what we do in life. We explain ourselves and why our position and our place is valid in life. We seek to justify ourselves. But there's this more powerful force available to the human race. And today I want to ask you which of these forces is winning in your life. Because the power of grace is much more powerful than this other force, the force of law, which is the force of trying to please God by human effort, by works, which is the word we read in our verse today. You see, it's quite an amazing thing. We think mercy is amazing, and God is merciful. We read that in the Bible. God's a merciful God. But mercy is only the half of the story for who God is to you as a Christian. See, mercy is when we don't fully obey the law of God. We break the Ten Commandments. We do things that we shouldn't do. And yet, there's a God who is merciful, He says, I'm not going to treat you as your sins deserve. We don't get what we deserve. We don't get the judgment that we deserve. But mercy is a, it's an old covenant kind of concept. But grace is something rather different. Grace is where we get given something that we definitely don't deserve. It's where we get given something from God out of his generosity and love for us, despite what we do. And this is a very, very hard word for us to understand, uh, I don't know if, uh, I mean, you, you probably know Susan Boyle who sang that famous song, I dreamed a dream, do 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 do, you know the one? And that, that song is from a famous musical called Les, Les Miserables. And uh, I don't know if you could put the, the screen up. The story, you, you may have seen this, uh, this film or this theatre production, but the story is really about this central character here, and his name is Jean Valjean. And he is a, a true story, by the way. Nathaniel Smith knows the entire script and the music to this play <laughs> and can sing it to you at will. 
Na- Na- is our... Nathaniel Smith, not just student pastor, but actually extraordinaire when it comes to, to musicals. He, he knows them all. Anyway, th- this particular musical uh, is about this criminal called Jean Valjean who gets released from prison on parole, on lifelong parole. And he gets released by uh, this guy here on the right, whose name is Javert, and he's a policeman. And his final words to Jean Valjean as he leads, leaves the prison, he, say, he basically says, I'm going to get you. I know that you're a bad character and I'm going to get you back in prison one day. And he spends his whole life pursuing him. It's the power of the law trying to bring him back down. Now, Jean Valjean is a bad character. In fact, he can't get a job anywhere. Nobody will give him a shot because he's on parole. He can't get a job, he can't get work, he can't get a place to sleep, he can't get food. He's starving. He he shelters in a church doorway. And then this other character, the bishop, he opens the door and he says, well, hey, you must come in. You must have a meal with us. You must stay the night. We're going to give you food. We're going to give you lodging. He gives grace. And Jean Valjean repays that kindness by getting up early the next morning and stealing all the bishop's stuff and running away with all his silverware in his backpack. And the police kind of do a stop and search and they find all this silverware and they bring him back to the bishop. And they say, Bishop, and the bishop looks at him and, and he, he knows everything that's gone on here. The, the policeman says, Bishop, this man, Jean Valjean, he had the audacity to say that you gave him all this stuff. And the bishop looks at him, he's got the power of life and death in his hands at this moment. And he looks at th- this prisoner and he looks at the policeman and he says, yes, that's right. I did, I, I gave him all of this. And he said, but you know what, friend, because you left so early this morning, you didn't take all of it. So here you go, here's some more. (laughs) And he puts some silver candlesticks in his bag and says, there you go, with an invitation to change his ways. Jean Valjean is a, a changed man through that incident. He makes a better path with his life. But he faces these two forces, the power of grace and the power of law. But here's the power at work in his life. Grace has a greater power than the power of the law, than the power of doing. And that power is much greater in your life as well today. We live in a world that understands this word, but doesn't understand this word. What happens if you own a house here? If you don't pay your mortgage, what happens? Thank you very much, we'll take your house. Because you didn't abide by the terms and conditions. If you hire a car and you scratch it, just a tiny, tiny, tiny little scratch, what happens? Oh, that's your £500 excess gone, sir. You think, well, it's just a little scratch. No, it's because the terms and conditions, the law requires us to behave in a certain way. We live in a very legalistic society. You get what you deserve. Even Darwin talked about the survival of the fittest. It's the idea that that by self-effort, we can become the best. We live in this world that says you get what you deserve. Yet grace stands in contrast in its simplicity. And it's important that we understand what this word means for you and I today. 
And the verse we read said this, by grace we are saved. In the preceding verses, it talked about, well, what are we saved from? We're saved from the wrath of a holy God, the judgment for sin that we deserve. And here's the first thing we need to look at. You see, grace is so powerful, it affects our past, our present, and our future. And first of all, we need to understand how it affects our past. It affects our past this way, that this gracious God not only has mercy on our sin, but he graciously loves us enough to give us so much more. Isaiah chapter 64 says this, All of our righteous acts are like filthy rags. See, the people of the Old Testament, the Israelites, they lived under this covenant. And they thought that they could do it. In fact, they received the Ten Commandments and Moses said to them, be careful to do all that the Lord has commanded. And this is what sinful human hearts respond like when people say, do this. This is what they said. They responded with one voice, everything the Lord has said, we will do. And the truth is, they couldn't. They didn't. They wouldn't. See, human hearts are powerless to fulfill the commands of God. They need help from God. And the story of the whole of the Old Testament, really, is a story of a people who totally fail to live up and to save themselves through the power of law-keeping and obedience to God. So God gave them a promise, and we read about it in Jeremiah chapter 33, and he says, he says there's a new covenant coming, not like this one. He says, this is the covenant I will make with the people of Israel after that time. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer will they teach their neighbours saying, know the Lord because they'll all know me from the least of them to the greatest. For I will forgive their wickedness and remember their sins no more. The promise was this, that there would be a, a covenant, a basis for knowing God that wasn't founded on obedience to God but would produce obedience to God as its fruit. And that covenant being prophesied, which came with Jesus, was this. It was a covenant of grace, a covenant that would achieve God's law, his standards being written on human hearts, but built on a foundation that is on God's kindness. This takes some grasping, and Jesus knew this. Jesus knew that this old covenant mindset needed breaking. And when he told stories when he confronted the Pharisees. He'd tell them stories like this one in Matthew 20. He talked about a vineyard owner who went out into the marketplace very early in the morning. And that's where people would gather. That's where if you were unemployed and you needed money to survive, to live, then you had to make sure you were in the marketplace at daybreak in the morning so that when people came by and said look I need workers for today then you had to be there so this landowner it says he, he, he went to the marketplace very early in the morning and he found a group of people who were there ready for work ready to be paid ready to do a hard day's work and he said I will give you a day's wages if you come with me they're very pleased 
They're very hard-working, industrious people. And he takes them to work in his vineyard. It says, then he needed more helpers, so he then went back at 9 o'clock. And he found some more people there. They'd clearly just got a little bit laid out of bed. And so they came and stood in the marketplace. And he said, come with me into my vineyard. It then says that he went back at noon. And you kind of think, these clearly aren't the most industrious of workers. I mean, they've turned up at midday. They clearly weren't there in the earlier parts. But he goes back and he says, well, okay, I'll take you as well. Will you come and I'll pay you what's fair? It then says he went back at 3 o'clock and 5 o'clock in the afternoon to the marketplace to hire more workers. I mean, how much time in the day is left if you're picking people up at 5 o'clock to work? I mean, what do you call those people? If, if, if they've not been there all day and then they tip up at 5 o'clock saying, well... You know, I'm just looking for work, really. But, you know, you think, well, how seriously? What do we call those people in our culture? <laughs> what was that? Backsift, yeah. They're unindustrious, they're lazy. You could call them Neds. You could call them... You could say, well, they're people they are just not serious about life. Yet this man says, okay, come and work for me. Now, when payday comes... That evening, the workers who were hired at five in the afternoon came and they each received a day's wages, a denarius. And I thought, wow, that was a good day's work. We turned up at five and received a full day's pay. And then the other people who got hired early on, they said, well, clearly we're going to get more than them because we've been here all day. And then they get offended because the master says, and here's a denarius for you as well. And Jesus said, and the last will be first, and the first will be last. What's he saying? Grace. 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 This is the way God deals with human beings. It's not based on the work that you do. It's based on his kindness to you. Here's the truth of grace, that God cannot love you any more than he does right now. And he cannot love you any less than he does right now. His love for you is free. His love for you is a gift. This is challenging stuff. Yet Jesus lived this out. And Jesus, in a conversation he had in his dying moments on a cross, we find another story of this incredible principle of grace being worked out. There was two thieves hanging either side of Jesus on crosses. And it says that one of them hurled insults at Jesus. Even in his dying moments, he had no time for God, no time for Jesus. All he cared about was just shouting insults. But then there was another thief who was more thoughtful. And he looked at Jesus. He'd clearly picked up his name from somewhere because he uses his name. And Jesus' name means saviour, it means rescuer. And this thief looked at the sign above Jesus' head that said, King of the Jews... And, Jesus made, and, and this thief made this observation about Jesus. He said, well, he said, he's done nothing wrong. We're here for our crimes, but this man is innocent. And so he prayed the simplest of prayers. A man who'd just done nothing but steal all his life and was now being crucified for it, said, 
Jesus, Saviour, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said, you've left it a bit late, haven't you? I mean, you should have started before now. Everybody comes to me on their deathbed, don't they? No, he didn't say that. No. Jesus said, today you will be with me in paradise. Incredible. Did he have time to change his ways? Did he have time to earn favor with God? Did he have time to start doing the right thing? No. All he had was a word from God that said, you're accepted, I'll see you there. Let's fast forward, we don't have this bit written in scripture, but let's just suppose, a couple of hours later, he has now died, and he wakes up in paradise, in heaven, and here is a thief for the first time in heaven, and he looks around and everything is gold, Everything, the houses, the streets, he, he, he sees some loose gravel on the floor and he picks it up and he thinks, oh, gold, sticks it in his pocket. <laughs> I mean, what do you do if you're a thief? This is how you think. And then a voice behind him says, hello, my name is Moses, who are you? And then this guy stands back and says, oh, said I wasn't doing anything, I was just, uh, just looking at the gravel and, uh, and, and, and he says, well, sorry, who, who are you, Moses, did you say? And Moses, yeah, he says, well, tell me about yourself, Moses. And Moses says, well, tell, tell you about me, he says, I... I lived under this amazing covenant called law and and I I led the people out of captivity in Egypt and I parted the Red Sea and I led people through and and we had manna in the desert and water from the rock and I led people through miracles and through the power of God. He said it was was quite a story to tell. Have you heard of me? And and, and the thief goes, no, I've never heard of you to be honest. And Moses says, so what did you do to get here? And the thief says, well, I did over some houses. I nicked stuff. I, I did a really good job once. Do you want to hear about the most? No, no, how did you get here? Says, you, and, and the guy says, well, I said that. To be honest, I, I was just chatting to this guy on a cross next to me just a few moments ago. And, 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 and I, you know, he seemed like a good guy. And I said, Jesus, remember me? I, said, I think his name was Jesus. And, the, and Moses says, so you, you met Jesus? And he, and, and he says, yeah, that's the guy. I see him. He's, he's just riding a cross on his white horse. <laughs> see? Thieves get into heaven because of this. But you know, human beings can only get into heaven, can only get into a relationship with God because of this. Jesus once said to the Pharisees, he said, he said tax collectors who are bad guys and prostitutes, he said, they're getting into heaven before you because they understand this. Bad people understand they need grace. Good people, self-righteous people, dare I say it, middle-class people, we tend to think that somehow by our own betterment and human performance, that makes us okay with God, and it never will. We need the grace of God. Jesus once told a story of two sons, one son who ran away from home, and he took, away all of, he took half of his father's estate, the prodigal son, it's in Luke chapter 15, And that son, when he had blown everything, he came back to his father with these words. He said, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like a hired servant. This is the mistake that people far from God make. They think if they're going to do the God thing, then they have to repay for their past way of life. And they have to earn their way back in. That's what that son thought. The father would have none of it. 
The father said, you're my son, don't be silly. Come in, let's celebrate, let's have a party, let's kill the fattened calf. Meanwhile, there's another brother who's never left home. He's always been good. And he gets a bit indignant that his brother is having a party thrown for him when he's been so bad. And this son said this. He said, look, dad, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. You never gave me a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. Isn't it interesting that the son who never left home, he seemed to have a slave mentality. He seemed to think that he was trying to earn his father's pleasure and goodwill. He said, I've been slaving for you all these years. I've I've been working hard. I've been following your instructions. I've been obedient. Yet you didn't give me anything. You didn't reward me. And the father says, hey, you're my son. You've been here. You've, You've had me. See, whether you've been a Christian a long time or a little time, then this word is still the most important word that you'll ever know and enjoy. So, sin, so, so grace changes our past. It changes our present as well. You see, some people, they say, well, it's great that we get saved by grace, but you know, then surely we have to start doing our bit in order to maintain that, to make sure that we carry on being a good Christian, that God loves us, and if, if we don't do what he says, then, then surely he'll kick us out again. Well, let me tell you about the power of grace. In Romans chapter 5, verse 20, it says this, where sin increased, grace increased all the more. That's saying very simply this, that no matter how big your sins Grace is bigger. The molehill of your sin is overshadowed by the mountain of God's grace. The molehill of your sin overshadowed by the mountain of God's grace. With this covenant, disobedience got you kicked out. But Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16 one of the most amazing verses in the Bible. It says this, Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. See, if we were to approach the throne of law, we'd have no confidence because we've all sinned and fallen short of God's standards. But because we approach this throne, this throne of grace, this throne of undeserved acceptance from a God who loves us with unconditional love. So Paul says, oh yeah, well, so good news is, guys, when you blow it completely, when you totally fail, when you totally do something that's unacceptable in life to yourself or to somebody else or to your wife or your children or your parents, there's good news that you come to God on the basis of undeserved favour. And God wants you to come to that throne today confidently. Not with a sense of dragging your feet and saying, well, I'm not sure he will accept me. He says, no, when you blow it, when you blow it, when you need mercy and grace, you come with confidence to God and say, God, I need you right now. God, I need your grace. There's a power at work in your life as a Christian. And it's the power of grace. You know, we, we, we spin around on the earth, don't we? Now, 
I'm not explaining this right, but that means at least once every 24 hours we are upside down. Yeah? (laughs) But something stops us falling off the planet. What is that? It's gravity. Gravity holds us in. I know we're upside down. I think they're relative to but um, Gravity holds us in. 9.81 meters per second squared, if I remember correctly. Now, this force holds you into the Christian life. No matter what you do and how far you run, it's the power of God's grace. It pulls you back to him again and again and again. Whereas the law pushed you away from God again and again and again. said, you can't do it. You can't. Grace says, God loves you. Come back. He's got power for you. We... I just have a couple more things that I need to say. I'll need to just summarize these. But So our present sin is dealt with. Our ongoing sin, our future sin is dealt with by grace. What about your fruitfulness in the Christian life? What about your effectiveness? Some people say, well, it's great that God's <laughs> forgiven us and all of that, but now I need to work hard in order to make myself a world changer, to be a good influence on the world. Paul would take a different view to you. He would say it's the power of grace at work in him that makes him able to do everything he can do. In fact, the rest of Ephesians, we'll be looking at this in months to come, is all about the good works that God has prepared in advance for us to do, which is the verse we read at the beginning. We are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. And you find that even gifts, that some would say leadership gifts in the church, in Ephesians chapter 4, it says he gave some to be apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, and evangelists. They're labeled as gifts of grace. Gifts of grace. This was Paul's experience. He said, God did this in me. In fact, do you know Paul didn't even consider himself an evangelist? It's slightly ridiculous because he's the most evangelistic person you would ever meet. Yet, you read in chapter 3, verse 8, He said, although I'm less than the least of all the Lord's people, this grace was given me to preach to the Gentiles the boundless reaches of Christ. Here's what makes you a good witness, a good evangelist. It's this, when you realize it's not something I do out of my own effort. It's not that you're a good salesperson. It's not that you're an extrovert. It's this, that you understand that God loves to give gifts to people like you and me. He loves to give his Holy Spirit to people like me who don't deserve it, but he loves to give to anyway. Good works he prepared in advance for us to do. You'll find that some of these are amazing things that you wouldn't think of. Some of them are very ordinary. Forgiving one another. Living in purity. Being a good spouse. Being a good son or daughter. Being a good parent. These things are really hard in our own strength, yet we easily revert to this self-effort to try and be better at these things. Paul says, these are the good works that God planned in advance for you to do through the power of grace. Final point. It's past, present, and future. Verse 7. In order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. This is an amazing thing. See, the praise of his glorious grace means this, that central in eternity in the worship of God 
is going to be his grace being extolled to the highest level. level. So not only are we going to worship God for his beauty and his majesty, but in eternity, Jesus is going to take exhibit A, who was a thief dying on a cross, and he's going to hold him up before the masses of redeemed humanity, and he says, look, he's here, he's saved, he's forgiven, he's in heaven with us, he's with God, and all of redeemed humanity will cheer and applaud and say, isn't that incredible? And do you know you're going to take your turn and God will hold up Dan Hudson, exhibit 5,662 or whatever it is. Dan Hudson, everyone's going to say, how on earth did he get here? And the answer is this word, grace. And he's going to put you there and you and you and you. And he's going to say, isn't it amazing what God can do? It's the most powerful force in the universe. Maybe you've experienced that today. Maybe you haven't. Maybe for your first time today, you want to put your hope in the power of grace and to say, Jesus, I need you, just like that thief on the cross. Maybe you've been a Christian for a long time and you've been reverting to self-effort to try and be a better Christian. And God wants to put you back on this foundation today, the power of grace. 